Well, tonight we have the, uh, the privilege to hear uh, four testimonies uh, of the Lord's work in uh, four individuals' lives. But before we get to that, as I was thinking about that, um, just this afternoon, thinking about uh, these students sharing their testimonies, I got to thinking that I really believe, and maybe just sort of bouncing off the evangelism announcement, that I really believe that one of the most effective tools that we have in sharing our faith is sharing with others the work that Christ has done in our lives, how he's transformed our lives individually. I was even thinking of what John said in 1 John 1.3 when he said, we proclaim to you that which we have seen and heard. In other words, John was proclaiming uh, or, or speaking of, of his personal testimony of Christ's work in his life, what he had done in his life. I was even thinking of Paul this afternoon in the book of Acts and how when you read through the book of Acts, and, and Paul will be in these situations where he just has this little window of time, whether he's speaking before a, a, a Roman council or Roman officials or his Jewish countrymen or the Sanhedrin. And any time he had just this little window of time, he proclaimed, he shared about the work that Jesus Christ had done in his life. I also think about uh, John chapter 4 and the story of Jesus and the woman at the well, the Samaritan woman. It's, it's really a powerful story. In John chapter 4, Jesus is in the south in Judea, and it says he was going up to Galilee, and it said he had to go. He needed to go to Samaria. And that comment's significant just because most Jews didn't go through Samaria. They actually avoided it because they hated the Samaritans. So they would usually, if they went from Judea in the south to Galilee in the north, they would actually go east to the Jordan River and then skirt up along the side and then enter in that way. It was actually the long way to Galilee, but they would do that to avoid the Samaritans. But it says Jesus needed to go there. Why? Because he had a divine appointment with the woman at the well. And of course, you guys know the story. Jesus interacted with this woman and, and uh, told her everything that she ever had ever done. And uh, <clears throat> revealed the fact that she was an adulterer, she was a fornicator. And, uh, and so what did she do? She responded by repenting, believing, trusting in Christ. And then it says she leaves this interaction with Jesus and then goes to back to her city in Samaria. <clears throat> and it says in John 4, I think verse 39, it says, and many of the Samaritans in the city believed in Jesus because of the word which was spoken by that woman. And it's just amazing. It's amazing to me that this woman only knew Christ for maybe a matter of hours, maybe a day or two at most, and yet she took what she knew, and she went back to her city, and she testified of what Christ had done in her life. She, all she knew was that she was a sinner, and that Christ was the solution to her sin, that she was a believer, or, or, that, or that Christ was the solution, that he was the Savior. And, uh, and she proclaimed that message, and the result was that many came to faith in Christ because of her testimony. So again, it's, I, I really believe, students, that one of the best tools that we have in sharing our faith is uh, the testimony of the work that Jesus Christ has accomplished in each of our lives. So tonight we have the privilege of hearing four of those stories, uh, two from high school ministry and two from the college ministry. I'm going to grab my phone here just to remind myself the college students' names. Um, <laughs> uh, the, first, the first two, we're going to do two. Uh, a college student and a high school student, and then we'll do a song, and then we'll do uh, a couple more, and then we'll close with a song. So the first two, we have Kyle Douglas uh, from the college ministry, and then uh, following Kyle, we'll have Daria Peters come up. So Kyle, you can come on up and <clears throat> share the Lord's work in your life. <clears throat> uh, 
I was gonna tell a joke when I got up here, but I realized I'm really not that funny, so I'll probably just get started. <laughs> um, whew. I grew up in a Catholic home in Missoula, Montana. Yeah, I know, Grizz country. I had very loving parents and two younger sisters. Growing up in the Catholic church, I attended preschool there, was an altar boy for several years, and did everything being raised Catholic entailed until getting confirmed. This last step was all I needed to set myself up for a lifelong membership. As a senior in high school, I realized I might not be Catholic, and I put off being confirmed until a later time. I left home for Montana State University, go Cats, in a collegiate track career, track and field career that was more important to me than anything except for my family. My first year of college, every decision I made revolved around how to make the discus or shot put fly farther. My first year of college, every, <laughs> read that one. I had a great freshman year and enjoyed a lot of it, but started to realize something was missing. Moving off campus with some teammates my second year sent me down a broken road that was full of drinking on the weekend and a foul mouth, among other sins. Through all that, I still felt I was a Christian, and I was living mostly like God wanted. In my mind, I was sinning far less than those around me. A friend from high school came to school in Bozeman that year, and we started going to the Catholic church near campus together. Everything was going great in my mind. I was definitely going to heaven. All I needed was church on Sundays and a prayer before bed, right? Little did I know how wrong I was and how gracious God was being while waiting for me to realize my desperate need for a savior. Church attendance was sporadic throughout that year, and I went into the summer with the continued feeling of a hole that needed to be filled. Jesus saved me in the fall of my junior year, and, changed, and the change he made in my heart is something I will never be able to repay him for. It started with a friend asking me to attend athlete Bible study with her and then Grace Bible Church. That first service, Pastor Brian spoke on the inaccurate thought that works could get someone to heaven. At the time it hurt, but I realized that was what I was relying on. This shook me to my core. I talked to an old teammate, Matt Tex, right after the service and completely broke down. Jesus had showed me how wrong I had been living and how wrong I was in my belief. After athlete Bible study the next Monday, I spoke to a current teammate, Zach Kuhn, and actually John Widenauer, who I didn't write on here, but just realized looking at you in the crowd, <laughs> about meeting up so I could ask him some questions. We met up, and by God's amazing timing and help, we had a conversation that changed my life. Zach showed me several verses, and we talked for a couple of hours. I don't remember everything we talked about, but a verse that stuck with me since then is James 2.18, which reads, But someone will say, You have worked. You have faith, and I have works. Show me your faith apart from your works, and I will show you my faith by my works. Over the next couple of months or so, I talked with God a lot and learned all I could. God was doing amazing things in my life, but there was still something holding me up. I was struggling to let go of my past in the Catholic Church. I was worried about my family not accepting me, and I was worried I was still relying on works, even though I had studied works and knew what Scripture said about salvation through belief. Looking back on it, I was still focusing a lot on myself. My parents visited one weekend with my sisters, and I invited them to Grace. They agreed to go, and within a week, God blessed me again, and I had a talk with my mother about faith. This talk was full of love, and my mom told me she wasn't disappointed and just wanted her kids to have a relationship with God, and she knew that's what I was seeking. The struggle with associating as a Catholic became easier to overcome as Jesus became my Lord and Savior, and I gave him my life to him. That was the last string I needed to cut between the me that relied on works and the new me that relied on Christ. It was not an instantaneous change, but throughout that month, I gave my life to Jesus. I dove into the Word, and Zach began to disciple me. 
A verse we memorized together summarizes this period pretty well. John 5, 24 reads, Truly, truly, I say to you, whoever hears my word and believes him who sent me has eternal life. He does not come into judgment, but is passed from death to life. I was born again and am now building a relationship with the Lord through his word and prayer. Since I was saved, Jesus has done amazing, th amazing works in my life. The path he sent me down was challenging as I was surrounded by non-believers in my daily life, but it strengthened my faith and brought me to rely on God for anything at any time. The friend I had gone to Catholic Church with still hasn't come to Christ, but we, have some we had some conversations blessed by the Lord that have started to cause him to think more about the differences between true Christianity and Catholicism. I made amazing friends in Christ and found believing roommates for the coming year. They've been great encouragement, by the way. My personal study grew from a short daily reading that felt like a chore into something I look forward to daily and am able to set time aside for. The girl that invited me to church became my girlfriend in the first Christian relationship I'd, I've ever been in. My mother and I have had several more talks about faith and salvation. God has saved me and continues to help me become more Christ-like and root out sins in my life. I hope the future is full of Christ's will in my life and that I can help grow his flock. Please pray for me moving forward that I can be a light to those who surround me, my family, friends, teammates, roommates, and fellow believers. I will end with the final verse, 1 John 5, 11 through 13. And this is the testimony that God gave us eternal life, and this life is in his Son. Whoever has the Son has life. Whoever does not have the Son of God does not have life. I write these things who you, who, to you who believe in the name of the Son of God, that you may know that you have eternal life. Um, if anyone has questions on Catholicism or are struggling with the same thing I did, Feel free to talk to me at any time. I probably won't have all the answers or even most of them, but I can share my experiences and explain what didn't connect in my mind. Thank you. Um, okay, so for those of you who don't know me, my name's Daria, and um, I just graduated from high school back in May as a homeschool student um, with my senior year attending Bozeman High. I was very fortunate to grow up in a Christian home with both my parents being very strong believers. And around the age of five, I sat down with my dad and told him I wanted to ask Jesus into my heart. Um, at this point, the only reason behind that decision was a fear of not going to heaven, and which is where everyone at church said we would get to walk on streets of gold. And that sounded kind of cool to me. So I didn't want to miss out. Um, I went away thinking that I was saved just because I had said a prayer. But there was no evidence of a change in my life. And after this, I, I continued to um, attend church on Sundays. Um, and that's, that's just because that's just what my family did. And not, it wasn't because I wanted to be there or anything. Um, so I had all the right things to say, and I knew how I was supposed to act. So I just put on a fake face. And over the next several years, about up to my freshman year, I would hear sermons in church and would really, they would really convict me of like the false sense of assurance that I had and this kind of security net that I'd put under myself. And in these moments, I would say a prayer again and just ask Jesus to save me to make myself feel as if I was committing my life to Christ. And when in fact, I really just didn't want anything to do with him. I wanted to live my life my own way and I wanted to have control over everything in my life. I didn't want anything to go wrong. And I was trying to deal with life without God's help. Um, during my freshman year and the start of my sophomore year, my family had a lot of challenges with the passing of my grandpa on my dad's side and many health issues with my mom's parents and even some health issues with my immediate family. Um, through this time, I realized that we live in a fallen world and there's going to be pain and death. And 
without the gift of salvation that Christ's given us, there's, there's no way we can have peace. <sighs> Sorry. Um, I was laying in bed one night and just started praying, and I was tired of resisting and living like I could deal with everything by myself. And I tried to be in control of every situation. I asked Christ to forgive me and my sins and change me to be who he wanted me to be. And that night there was a change of heart and over the next few months through a lot of prayer, <laughs> I started to feel the peace that talk Paul talks about in Romans 5, 1 and 2, which says, Therefore, since we've been justified through faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ, through whom we have gained access by faith into this grace in which we now stand. And now we boast in the hope of the glory of God. So obviously I'm not perfect and I have a long way to go towards Christ-likeness, but even so I know that the Lord loves me and even when times get tough and I've learned our only peace is found in prayer. And I'm really excited to see where the Lord takes me um, in my walk with Christ. Even though I don't know what the future holds, I'm blessed to be traveling to Nicaragua in just about a week. Um, with the high school team in order to serve the people and show them the light of Christ. And I'm so th grateful for the opportunities, and we would appreciate your prayers as we travel. So, thanks. Um, hi, I'm John Wheeler, and this is the story of how Jesus Christ changed my life. I was born into a Christian family with two parents who loved the Lord. And when I was three years old, I remember my dad taking me aside and explaining what it means to be a Christian. He told me I was a sinner that would go to hell if I didn't accept Jesus into my heart. He told me that Jesus died for my sins on the cross so I can go to heaven. And that day I prayed with my dad and accepted Jesus into my heart. I love going to church and was actively involved with Sunday school in Iwana. I love Jesus, and I really enjoyed learning more and more about him. However, I let this knowledge get to my head. Um, during elementary school, I loved going to Awana, but it was mainly just to look spiritual. And one night, I memorized and recited 11 verses, but I didn't do this for my spiritual growth. I did it all for my pride. I wanted to look like I had it all together, but... In reality, I was far from that. Entering middle school, I would always be one of the first people to answer questions at Sunday school and youth group. I had a whole bunch of biblical knowledge, and I wanted everybody to know it. Starting in fifth grade, I attended Heritage Christian School. During this time, I was daily getting truth from the Bible. But then I would go to Sunday school and give the right answers when I really wasn't applying them. I always hated when youth group leaders asked me what I was reading in the Bible or how my prayer life was going because it, it wasn't, and I was really like a Pharisee. <laughs> yeah, I was like a Pharisee. I was like a whitewashed tomb, which like looked good on the outside, but it was a mess on the inside. I struggled with anger and would lash out at my siblings, but instead of going to Jesus and asking for repentance and praying that he would give me strength to change, I thought I could improve on my own by just trying harder. John 14, 15 says, If you love me, 
I was a Christian, and I it was evident that I wasn't doing this. Although I was a Christian, I was perfectly content living for myself and what I wanted. I thought I could fool everyone, but God was never fooled. During eighth grade at Heritage Christian School, my Bible teacher made us read a chapter of the New Testament every day for a grade. Since I had to do it, I read my Bible more, and it really spoke to my heart. Hebrews 4.12 says, For the word of God is alive and active, sharper than any double-edged sword. It penetrates even to dividing soul and spirit, joint and marrow. It judges the thoughts and attitudes of the heart. It was then that I realized that this life really isn't about me, but about the one who created me, saved me, and loves me. Entering high school, I started attending Bozeman High. All of my Bible training really paid off because if I didn't have God's word hidden in my heart, it would have been really easy to fall away. Instead, I got involved with Bible studies around campus and uh, I found solid Christian friends to really challenge me and keep me accountable in my walk with Christ. Um, and I am just so thankful that Jesus showed me my pride and made me see I was living for myself because now I have a passion for Christ and want my life to be honoring to him. I am by no means perfect, but I know that when I mess up, Jesus is there to forgive me and help me. Hebrews 12, 1-2 says, Therefore, since we are surrounded by such a great cloud of witnesses, let us throw off everything that hinders and the sin that so easily entangles. And let us run with perseverance the race marked out for us, fixing our eyes on Jesus, the pioneer and perfecter of our faith. For the joy set before him, he endured the cross, scorning his shame, and sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. young and I really don't enjoy talking in front of crowds so I have to start with a joke to kind of break the ice. Um, what happens when you toot in church? You have to sit in your pew. Okay so that out of the way now that you guys have all laughed at me. Um, I want to start by saying that this is God's work in my life not my own and I don't want to glorify myself through this testimony but rather um, speak about the work that God has done in my life to make me the person I am today. So I grew up in an unbelieving home. Um, we went to church on about Christmas and Easter, maybe a few Sundays in between, but not many. Um, I thought I was a good person. I had manners. I had morals. Um, we did a lot of community service, but I was clueless and oblivious to the sin that was in my life. I'd set my hopes on worldly things, even though scripture clearly warns against it. Sports were my life in high school, um, along with having good grades. My family meant everything to me, and I would definitely describe myself as a people pleaser. Um, I placed my hope in my feelings of worth in relationships and men, and this led to a style, lifestyle of sin and immorality. But I felt accepted by others, so I didn't see the problem with it. Fast forward to the summer of my after my freshman year of college, and I had just begun a serious relationship. Um, I knew this was the person that I hoped to marry someday, but God had another plan. The Lord used two major trials in my life that would ultimately end up leading me to the personal relationship I have with Him. Um, throughout these trials, I tried to put on masks and um, thought I wore them pretty well and tried to hide the pain and the hurt that I was really going through. The first child God used in my life was cancer. 
Christmas break of my sophomore year of high school, I began having severe pain. My mom's a nurse, so reluctantly, I went to the doctor, and they did a lot of tests and images. Um, on my way back to Bozeman, I was getting ready to move into my first apartment um, with my boyfriend, and I got a phone call that said they'd found a large tumor, and I would have to have surgery fairly soon. Um, when the day of surgery came, I was terrified. I'd never faced any medical thing, trial in my life of that sort. Um, I remember laying on the bed at Bozeman Hospital in the pre-op, asking the doctor, what if? What if it's some, not what everyone thinks it is? I remember her looking me right in the eyes and telling me, Michelle, you're 19. There is no way that this can be anything else. It's not serious. I woke up from surgery in a hospital crowded room with five nurses, my doctor sitting on the bed, my mom, my older brother, and my boyfriend all there. All of them had tears in their eyes, and I didn't know why. I thought it was a cruel joke when the doctor told me what was next. It was then that I learned that the unimaginable had happened. Surgery didn't go as planned, and they found out that this mass was cancer. The doctor continued to tell me that the cancer was a serious, rare type, and she didn't know much about it. Um, and I had completely lost my ability to ever have children. I was angry, confused, and I questioned God, especially being an unbeliever at the time. I questioned why this would happen, how, could, how it could happen to me, and how a God of love would let this happen to someone at all. Two months later, I ended up in the emergency room and learned that this cancer had come back. I flew to many hospitals and saw many specialists and went through many treatments that were unsuccessful. After two failed attempts at chemo, they deemed it untreatable. One doctor told me that once the cancer had spread to my lungs, I would have the life expectancy of about 25 years old. My initial thought was, well, great, I got a year, because in February of this year, I received news that had spread to my lungs. The second event God used in my life was a breakup. And like most breakups, you put it away, and you don't want to talk about it, and you hide the ugly that happened in it. So I'd been dating this guy, and things were going great. In 2013, the fall, we got engaged, and I couldn't wait to get married. As the wedding date got closer, we faced many tough times, and after a lot of conflict, it led to our fight, and it would be our last and final fight. Five weeks before the wedding date, he called off everything and moved out. Throughout this relationship, I had placed my faith, worth, and hope in him, and now that he was gone, I felt completely lost, alone, and helpless. I had hit rock bottom. A couple weeks after everything went down, I just kind of shut myself out from the world, went to work, went home, and that was about it. Um, so a couple weeks afterwards, I ran into Trina, and we later met up and discussed everything that had happened. She invited me to Cross Life and Grace, and I was hesitant, but I went because I figured can't hurt anything else. Um, and I was desperate for hope. After attending Cross Life and Grace for a few um, weeks, I began to read my Bible, and I had no knowledge of the Bible at all. I knew Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John were the Gospels, and I knew the name of Jesus, but that was it. So being confused and being a beginner, I figured it was like any other book and read from Genesis 1-1 on and was very confused, <laughs> as you can imagine. Um, I then talked to Tanner and told him, he's the old cross-life pastor, if you guys don't know, 
kind of told him what was going on, and he kind of just shook his head like, good place to start. Um, <laughs> and he encouraged me to read the Gospel of John. So between reading through John, going to Cross Life, going to Grace, um, it was revealed to me my hopeless state apart from Christ and the countless sin that was present in my life. Um, I'd realized that it was time that he, or it wasn't time that heals, but it was Jesus who heals. And I'd come to find surprising peace in a relationship with Christ that only Christ could provide. One of the sermons that stood out to me was the parable of the wheat or story of the wheat and the weeds. Um, if you guys aren't familiar with that, it's where weeds are planted in a wheat field and they look really similar and you can't tell the difference until the time of harvest. Um, and then when harvest comes, the weeds are thrown out into the fire. This st stood out in my heart and I was terrified. I didn't want to be a wheat. I didn't want to be cast into the fire. So I came to repentance of my sin and asked Jesus into my heart. In February 2015, I made the decision to become baptized and externally commit um, what had taken place in my life. My walk with God has not been a breeze, and I continue to face trials. But it is these trials that I am challenged to grow and glorify God. Being able to know that God is in control and that the pain I endure and challenges I face could be so much worse than they are. But God has shown me mercy and grace, providing me the strength to handle what he's given me. The Lord has worked in many ways in my life within the past two years, and I found definite hope in him, that not in worldly things. Um, hope that brings eternal glory to him and eternal life that someday I will have with him. This last fall, I was part of a missions team to Ethiopia and Kenya, and it was on this trip that God worked in my heart. Um, he placed a young autistic boy in my life, Abel, and um, hearing his story really inspired me to return to college. I had stopped school after getting diagnosed with cancer and going through all the treatments. Um, after much research and prayer, I found an online Christian school, Grand Canyon University, um, where I'm pursuing my degree in special ed and elementary ed um, with the hopes of returning overseas to pursue a special education ministry. I still fall far short of what Christ requires of me and deserves of me. But I know that with my hopes and sights fixed on him, his plan will prevail. Um, one of my favorite verses, and a lot of you guys that know me know that I always wear this necklace. Um, my little brothers got it for me once they became believers. And it has my favorite verse on it, Hebrews 3.16. So we can confidently say, the Lord is my helper. I will not fear. What can man do to me? This is a constant reminder that as I face trials, as I face whatever the world gives me, seeking God will always be first, foremost, and the most important thing is my hope is in him, not in anything else. Thank you.